Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. We have a very special guest for you today. She was one of our first guests, and now she is back, episode number 90. She has extensive experience in real estate and mortgage finance. She's a cybersecurity expert, and we could not be more lucky to have her on the show today. Please help me welcome Tony Libra, Director of Cybersecurity Awareness at the IL Group. Toby, welcome. Hi, Michael. It's so good to see you again. I'm so excited to be back. I remember when we did this the first time, and it was so exciting and new, and to see how much you've grown and what's going on is amazing. I love it. Oh, well, thank you. It is great to have you. A lot has happened since the last time we've spoken, <laughs> right? Yes. You know, the pandemic hits, everyone goes to digital. So what has happened in the world of cybersecurity as everything was forced to go to digital? Let's talk about that before we talk about things opening up. Give me some insights on what you saw happening. You know, it was a crazy time for us here at IL Group because um, working in finance, you always had specific roles that were remote workers, and it was very normal to them. But the majority were not. They were office dwellers. And so it was a big transition, uh, getting those people used to um, not having such the familiarity that we have at home and that security that you, false sense of security, should I say, that it brought with it. Um, you'll do a lot more on your home network than you will on your work network. <laughs> so it was really getting the training and the awareness out there that we had to treat it the same. What were some of the hiccups? What were some of the things that really caught people either off guard or that they weren't prepared? Or what are some of the things that they kind of fell victim to as we talk about cybersecurity during this pandemic? I think the biggest thing we saw is just the human condition uh, with any tragedy. You know, that is a target for bad guys. It doesn't matter if it's cyber or if it's in the physical world. So that was the biggest issue that we had to attack is, is their sense of attacking such a chaotic, unknown thing that we went through with COVID. And everyone in the country transferring no matter their industry to remote working and zoom meetings and all of these things were happening over the internet and it became a playground oh great point and and i think it's something that we still have to be very cognizant of just because things are starting to open up and we're getting a chance to have some face-to-face -face interaction and some personal conferences digital's not going away yeah. Cybersecurity and the need to really protect oneself and our organizations is not. So what are some of the key trends? What are some of the numbers, some of the statistics that you're seeing out there as it relates to financial services, real estate agents? What's, what's taking place in the industry? You know, I think the, the number one thing that we're talking, everybody's talking about right now, unless you're living under a rock, is ransomware. We see it everywhere we look. Uh, the news, the internet, Facebook, in our industry, at the water cooler, at the copier, everywhere we go, it's ransomware, who got hit, what was this payment, oh my gosh, the numbers are insane. Um, I was actually looking at a few different reports over the weekend just preparing for this. Uh, one of the crazy number that I came across was um, the average payment in 2020 was 
Wow. It's up 311% from 2019. And this report came out in the fall of last year. So when we think about those numbers and the increase, when you start talking in the hundreds of percents, it's an epidemic at that point. Absolutely. And I mean, and we're talking big dollars. We're talking systems down. We're talking work stoppages. What are some of the things that lenders can do? What are some of the things that real estate agents and brokerages can do to be better prepared for something like that? You know, we talk um, at IL Group, and we have pretty much five core services, but they fall into three categories, prevention, planning, and management. So when you start talking about planning first, everybody has to have a plan. It's a game. It's a game for them, and if we don't agree to play the game, we're never going to win. So that planning of your game plan is the most important part um, well, I shouldn't say most important part, but it is one of the most important parts of the foundation of your cybersecurity, uh, maturity, and your level. So in that planning, policy, and procedures, I cannot stress enough boilerplate policy and procedures that we pull off of the Internet and fill your name in here. Uh, my partner and I review these. He's the master of policy and procedures. I'm too hyper to sit and read all of those. <laughs> but, um, you know, we sit and look. They all, they'll present us with 10 to 12 pages. We've literally seen them still with the fill in your name here where they oh. forgot to do it. <laughs> uh, our typical policies and procedures are going to be 120 to 150 pages because they're including your escalation list, who your teams are in the case of an attack. The last thing you want to do is have your hair on fire and nowhere to know where that extinguisher is. So we simplify them. We have the business continuity, instant response plans, disaster recovery. You know, we live here on the Gulf Coast. So it's not just cyber. You have to think about in those plans with your systems, physical as well. We're, you know, hurricane after hurricane lately. So right. you, there's so many layers um, in those policies and procedures. And unless you truly know what you're looking at and what needs to be done, it's very hard to make those complete and thorough. All right. So, so step one was planning. Let's go to step planning two. Planning and awareness training. Train your staff. This falls under planning and prevention. Okay. Um, probably the number it's going to border with being number one tie between policy and procedures and awareness training. We have to get in touch with our people. We're throwing so much money at IT infrastructure and not a lot at information security, which is just your people, um, which is what was how the peoplepatch.com was born. That's our website because we're patching your people just like your IT is patching your systems. So awareness training, and it can't be once a year at a sales meeting or a big annual corporate meeting. They forget that in about a day. Yep. So short, engaging, entertaining, make them want to learn awareness training. We do it once a month. It's less than 10 minutes each class. Uh, we do a lot of gamification. We try to keep positive competition within the company. So there's leaderboards, and what we've seen out of that is 
everybody's talking about it. Hey, did you, what'd you get on your quiz? And, and it becomes this great positive competition, but they want to learn about it. And we keep those short increment subjects that are relevant to the time. So they're changing constantly. We've pushed out a ton on ransomware in the last few months just because of what's going on. Right. Well, as you talk about that planning and, you know, you have a 200-page document, I, I can imagine it's got to be very difficult to get people to actually execute then on that and make sure that it's current, that it's relevant, yes. that, it, that it stays up to date. And then to your point of really getting your teams to buy in, tell me about some of the challenges that presented as we're dealing with COVID as you're talking about Zoom, go-to meetings. You can't always meet live with staff. A lot of the staff wasn't even coming into the buildings Correct. What so, happened there? In the beginning, we were just preaching VPNs to be supplying VPNs to your remote workers because of that fact. Not a lot of people use them at home. You know, right. There's a false sense of security when you're in your house. Uh, it's no different. There, there's absolutely no difference of being in your office and being in your dining room table. <laughs> Well, and, and you're right, though, but it's a different mindset for people of, hey, I can go check out this. I can download this attachment. I'm going to click on here. And then the next thing you know, they just expose themselves to all kinds of challenges and problems. Right. And you think about the people that were coming and going from our house, cleaning services or lawn maintenance, all of delivery people. And we have an office an entire company office spread out on our dining room table. People weren't thinking about that in the physical sense too. Who's coming and going from your house that has two or three gatekeepers at an office to go through that can be right. seeing what you have laid out. So uh, that physical security and the false sense of security we have at home is probably our biggest obstacles with remote workers. So many good points, and I think, you know, as we talk, as the industry is moving forward and things are starting to open up a little, and, and you're seeing a lot of these hybrids yes. come into the office for a couple of days, work from home, what kind of additional challenges does that present to everything that we're discussing? <clears throat> the dreaded uh, stolen USB. <laughs> right. You know, we're throwing everything and all of our information and easily tracked files that we use a lot on USBs. We're taking them back and forth to an office. We're going to Starbucks now that things are back opened up. We're going to restaurants to you know get out of the home or not be at the office. And those things left laying around. You have to be conscious all the time of where your company data is. Um, and that those things are levels of access. Not everybody needs to have those. Well, and that's a great point because I know a lot of organizations have just said, the laptops we are going to distribute don't have access to USB. We're not going to allow you to exchange yes. data that way. And yeah, I know it's a little inconvenient for some people, but it's much more secure than one of those getting in someone else's hands or anything like that. What are some of the things you're seeing as it relates to companies' approach to allowing USB access, not allowing access, allowing them to access networks from public places? What are some of the tips that you can give people to be more secure? I'll tell you, just even just within our client base, we've seen a whole lot go to issuing laptops, like you're saying, not letting people use their personal laptops for both personal and business, which is a great step. 
uh, also the VPN usage and supplying that service for their employees has been another great thing. Uh, it, it's also just that repetitive motion of getting used to a new normal uh, where we weren't. We would just pop in, hook to a public Wi-Fi and do our thing. And that cannot happen anymore. It just can't happen. Well, and when you say it can't happen, I think it's so important. We've talked about it a little bit of the education of our employees. Yes. And it's that ongoing, that constant reminder of, hey, don't fall prey to this. Don't click this attachment. Don't go to the public. And it's human nature, right? People have been cooped up. They're excited about getting out. Absolutely. I now travel to a few conferences, and you see people, whether it's at Starbucks, you see people in the hotel lobby. They're excited to be out and about, but they're now on their laptop. They're now doing a lot more on their cell phone. What kind of risks does that involve then? It opens you up to everything. It opens you up to any attack. Um, I think we try very hard not to preach paranoia that, you know, this is the world we live in, uh, but there's no reason to always be scared of it, but you do have to acknowledge it. And so hiding our head in the sand, at upper management or C-suite folks, uh, we can't do that anymore. It, you have to assume that everybody is vulnerable and everything is vulnerable. Every device they're opening, everything they're doing, we talk a lot about social media. You know, we live behind Facebook and, and LinkedIn now. And getting on those net public networks, they're, they're going to see what you're doing. Um, on a personal note, you know, we talk a lot to our colleagues because we both have kids when we're out speaking. The safety of our families. You don't have to post everywhere you are. You don't have to post when you're gone. Um, tying where you work to a personal Facebook account is extremely dangerous. You talk more freely about what's going on in your office to your personal friends. Um, promotions. They see when people are promoted. They see if you're in an accounting department. They see where who has the money and who has access. And they're watching it constantly. Social engineering is probably one of our hardest things to combat. Interesting. And I think... It's so important. We talk about the need, especially when COVID hit, for being virtual, being yes. digital, leaning in and building relationships and rapport. And that's the good side of it. But then there's the also the other side of how do you protect yourself and do it and do it right. Um, and the other thing we talk about a lot is knowing your vendors. Uh, we do a lot um, in our virtual CISO program with vendor management for our clients. You have to do business with companies that keep security as important as you do. Um, sometimes that's hard questions. Uh, we have vendor management questionnaires strictly around their security. And sometimes that gets hard because people don't want to say that they're behind or that they're not quite up to what it should be. Uh, we need them to be open with us at that point because we can only help if we truly know your real picture. So we do a lot of work and we try very hard to preach, to do work with vendors that you trust and that you know are keeping security top of mind. You know, we have a lot of partners um, here at IL Group personally that we work with and we make sure that those vendors are vetted and we work with the companies like Lloyd's of London and National General and uh, work with the Knowledge Coop a lot. All of these companies 
it keeps security top of mind, and we know that. You're only as strong as your weakest link. Oh, that is such a good point. And what are some of the suggestions you then have for how, how do companies go about vetting? What are some of those tough questions they need to ask? How do they really get to, you know, the security that those people are, are participating in? Or what are some of the loopholes that, you know, you just say, hey, they're really not as prepared as we thought? How do, how do you ask those tough questions and where That's do they where it gets hard. Right? When you formed a relationship with a vendor or a partner and then you do find out through these security questionnaires that we help you build that they might not be where you need them to be with the amount of data or the type of data that we collect, especially in finance. We are the identity theft capital of the world. We're collecting driver's license, W-2s, tax returns, all of these things in finance that are the golden nugget for a hacker. So you do have to do these questionnaires and you have to have all of the questions right. And you have to make sure that they're filling them out correctly and checking on that. There is nothing wrong with double checking on your vendors and partners. They do it to us here at IL Group, and we have a cybersecurity division. Um, it makes my heart warm when they ask us deeper questions. And if you're not that familiar with the information security aspect of vendor management, that's where third parties like us could come in and show you how to build those questionnaires and what to ask. And then instead of it affecting your relationship, we go in as a virtual CISO program and we talk to them on your behalf. So it, it keeps the relationship strong between you and your partner or vendor, but it also gives you a little bit of backup to say, hey, my uh, cyber people say you have to have this. <laughs> right. Well, and that's a very important point because I think some people are worried about, well, I don't want to ruin this partnership. We've worked with them for a number of years. Or they're one of our key suppliers. But to your point, then use a company like the IL Group who can go in and on your behalf ask those tough questions. Absolutely. Because some of it is just not even knowing what questions to ask. Correct. People don't and, know what they don't know, and right. they don't know those vulnerabilities. So I think you bring up so many excellent points. Where do you see things going? Where should lenders, where should real estate agents, where should they be focusing their attention, you know, in the second half of 2021? Again, uh, you know, our IT folks do an amazing job at keeping us all running. They're building the highway and they're maintaining it. The information security people, I like to say, are the uh, law enforcement of the highway. We just make sure everybody's doing it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, it's working hand in hand with the IT departments. That's our biggest goal is because we have so much overlapping and we have to work together. But all of budgets are constantly thrown at IT infrastructure and your network. We need to start realizing we have to put some of that money towards our people. What is the best way for people to get that in their budgets, right? This is the time of year. We're getting close. We're not quite there yet. We're still in July. But right. you know, by fall, everyone's going to have to really work through and vet out their budgets for 2022. Right. Well, um, it's great that you say that. We actually have a great software program that with one of our partners, and a lot of firms are going to this, and it quantitates 
and it gives a true scenario of your most common risks for your industry. So when we're dealing in finance, we're talking about phishing emails and ransomware and those types of data breaches. And it will show for your size, your geographic location, and your business operations what your risks are and what controls you should have in place. This is what a breach for ransomware would cost you. And here's the controls that we can raise <clears throat> excuse me, to make sure that that is not an issue and not going to happen. Um, nothing is a fail-safe, but it helps. Then our, our management people can take that scenario to their budget meetings and say, if we take some of this that we're overspending on and put it over here, this is the millions it could drop a ransomware attack. This is the hundreds of thousands it could drop from you know, damage from phishing emails. So you have to have those hardcore numbers, and we really do a good job here at IELGER building those out for our clients. Well, and I think it's so very important to equip the people going into those board meetings, right? Because Absolutely. It, originally, it's a tough sell of, <laughs> yeah. hey, you can get the new shiny new building or the cool new software or this latest gadget. Or you can spend money and kind of build up a bigger brick wall for our IT yes. infrastructure. But I think once you can bring that awareness and say, well, this is how much this costs. This is our reputational risk that would be hit here. And when Absolutely. you start getting those numbers, then people can make better and more informed decisions. So you are a wealth of knowledge and expertise. I, I'm so glad to have you on the show as we're winding down. What are some of the things you want people to know as it relates to the IL group? And more importantly, what are some of the things that you guys can help them with uh, in financial services? Cyber insurance. Um, and that's not just us, although, you know, we love you to have it through us. It, it doesn't matter where you get it, get it. But make sure it is a knowledgeable cyber agent because we have tons of general agents out there that can sell cyber policies. I can sell a homeowner's insurance policy with the license I have. I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know the first thing. So knowing those cyber policies inside and out, the difference between liability and crime and having your policy reviewed, right now is the time to have those policies reviewed. Do not put it on the back burner. I dealt for the last two weeks um, with some cases in Texas and no ransomware coverage and no social engineering coverage. They're all small exclusions at the bottom. And if it's tied back to that, your policy is not going to pay out. So there's so many small details in cyber insurance that a dedicated cyber person has to be able to look at those. So, you know, we do free reviews of your policies. It, that's one thing we pride ourselves on. I don't care if it's a client or not a client. We'll review your policy. We have to make sure everyone is covered where they need to be covered to stop any of this epidemic. Oh, great information. Toby, if people want to find out more information and they want to speak to you directly, what's the best way that they can get a hold of you? Uh, our website is newly redesigned and just released last month. It's www.peoplepatch.com. You can find all our contact information there. We have several awareness training videos for free to share with your staff on there. A ton of information about all of the services. We release new things that have happened, new attacks, new, new uh, trends that are coming out. So it's just a great source of information, and you can find my contact information all on there. 
Fantastic. Toby, like I said, you are a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much for joining this episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. Thank you, Michael.